Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on ESPN Esports. You are watching us on YouTube and on Twitter. This is Search and Destroy, our ESPN Call of Duty League program. Also available in podcast form. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can now listen to this show in audio form. Honestly, I thought I was going to do this show solo. However, we do have a last minute join and he returns to the show and i'm very excited about it because if you know anything about call of duty league and now valorant too by the way uh you definitely know uh this man's stats and that is easy mac uh, who works with the atlanta phase uh is basically their head statistician and also for free puts a lot of work to provide us all with a bunch of stats every single tournament. Welcome back to Search and Destroy and ESPN Esports, my friend. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on again. So we have a lot to digest. Weekend, uh, a home series this past weekend, a home series coming up. Are you in? Are you a fan of the uh, tournaments being bunched together, or do you prefer there being time in between tournaments? I think I actually like it when it's bunched together like this. It's kind of like rapid fire. You have one weekend, and then... You have a couple days to make adjustments, and then you, you can't really cool off. You can't lose form, and then you're back at it again. So I kind of like it better like this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, just to go through the schedule, what's going to happen for the rest of the season, we have four home series left. The next one is going to be this weekend. That's going to be the Paris Legion home series weekend. And I understand that the times are actually going to be adjusted to account for the European fans. So the first matchup will actually be on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So note the change in time. It's going to be altered. So the Atlanta phase matchup against Toronto is going to be 5.30 p.m. Eastern, normally much much earlier than they would normally play. So keep that in mind when you check out the schedule. But then, couple weekends off, back in New York on July 10th to 12th. Then, right away, London home series, July 17th to 19th. And then another one, Toronto, July 24th to 26th. So we are ending the season hot as we go into uh, the the championships, which all teams are qualified for. Uh, as yep. we know, the, uh, the, the um, format has been altered. But it's very important, right? Like, Atlanta... As much as we're going to talk about what happened this past weekend, they're still at the top of the standings, Easy Mac. Uh, but it, 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 do do the players feel this? Are they feeling the pressure from teams that are trying to like climb up to the top there? And to it's very is it important for them to keep that top position going into playoffs? So I really wanted to leave this like this next weekend with eighty points combined after the this past weekend and this one. So that would mean we would have to win this next event to to reach that eighty point total for us. But um. It was actually not too bad this past weekend because Chicago and Dallas fell early. So we, we actually gained first technically on the, on the points and Dallas is still, I think 30 behind us and now it's Chicago's 10, but that, that was really nice, but it, it still does leave a little bit of pressure for at least two of the tournaments. We have to make another grand final and, and probably win, win one to secure top two, which is highly important for the end of the year. It's really the only thing that matters. So yeah, I mean, there's no pressure on the players. It's more of just outside pressure that you kind of feel but it's still not the end of the world even if we get third but we definitely want that first place finish yeah i mean like look i mean spoiler alert florida won the last weekend they're still in fourth place right with 150 points but they Mm -hmm. uh leapfrog over the rocker who have been struggling as of late not quite getting the results that they are looking for at 120 points atlanta leading the way with 200 so let's break down the weekend the elephant in the room i'm sure for some is going to be that series against seattle and Seattle-Atlanta, 
They go into uh, Seattle, have a lead, and then all of a sudden there's this giant delay. So whatever you can tell us, because I'm actually still not clear what exactly happened. What what can you share with us? Why did this happen? So I guess the uh, the broadcast equipment went down. So I guess this year they're using um, uh, technology that wasn't meant for this year. It's supposed to be for next year, I guess. Um, there's a whole article about it. I think it was on Esports Insider. Um, it was on some publication where they talked about how complicated it is. And I guess it went down. Um, I didn't even know what was happening. I was texting Chris and RJ the entire time trying to figure it out. But I guess it went down and they couldn't get it up in time. I guess if you go back to map two, you can, there's like audio, there's a whole bunch of audio mistakes. The captures are cutting in and out. But yeah, I guess a 40 minute wait is still pretty ridiculous. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. So just to be clear, there was no issues on the player end. Like the, nope. the, the players, the teams were ready to go. This was a broadcast concern. And 45 minutes later, they were able to bring the broadcast back up. Yeah, which is why they put in the new rule where it's going to be 15 plus 5 now. So even if the broadcast can be up, if, if it's not on the players end, then we'll play without a broadcast, which should, probably should have happened anyways because 45 minutes is just not – it's it's like resetting the button for, for a series. You really don't – you lose all momentum. You lose everything. So, it, yeah, it was a long, too long of a wait for, for both teams. So I was going to say, I mean, like, let's talk about the momentum. They're not taking anything away from the victory here, but Seattle was up 2 nothing, right? Like, what what was said, I, I assume that in that 45 minutes you can talk to the team. Like, it's not like a, you have to go to a neutral corner in boxing after a knockdown. Like, I'm assuming you can yeah, have communication, right? So, like, it's almost as if it's an advantage for both teams in a way, particularly for Atlanta in this situation. Okay, here's what happened in Game 1, here's what happened in Game 2. Like, how much coaching was happening in that 45 minutes? So I know the guys don't really like to talk about the X's and O's mid-series like that because you just kind of, that map happened, move on to the next one, focus up. So I guess like they were like super loose because at at this point in the tournament, we'd only lost two maps and it was like, let's just keep spirits high. We're not going to lose this. Um, I guess when they got into the call, they they were still high spirits. They're still in in good mood. Like they just, they barely lost the gun runner. They really got smoked on the the cave. So like it was still bad. But they were still really high vibes going into the third map. They still they still thought they were gonna win three two right off the rip. Like we could have made played that map right after and like no one was no one was down, everyone was still high energy, so but yeah, it was still weird. It was still weird to be just sitting there just waiting and waiting and waiting. It's but. it it's really good that that rule is in because it is especially if it's not a concern technologically with the teams, that's one thing. But for it to be the broadcast, I like that at least to, to Call of Duty League's credit, at least there's now a rule. If it can't yeah. be broadcast, all right, fine. Just play the game to at least maintain the integrity of the series. Which, which is, is what I like about the league. Yeah. The league's kind of, they're good at reacting. It's just developing a proactive responses to stuff, which is probably going to be coming next year. They're going to be building up on that. This year, they're, they're good at reacting, but it's like, th- that should have been a concern as soon as the online league started. I think that was kind of overlooked, but yeah. I'm glad it's there now. Look, I think I don't necessarily fit the Call of Duty League fan mold because I don't have too much drama attached. You know, like I'm not a drama feeder in a sense, but like I give them a pass because we're in a pandemic, right? Like stuff's going to happen. And like, honestly, like you said, there were server issues in the Dallas Home Series. Okay, more servers were added. Then they actually proactively added even more servers. And then they added certain rules and regulations to go in place. And now we're seeing a rule with broadcast. Like there's... At least they're trying. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say that 
look, we're in extraordinary times. This is not ideal for anybody, but at least it's happening. So, so good on that. Uh, one thing that we saw on the broadcast, I want to get your thoughts on this. I never thought we'd see the day where we'd be, where we'd be talking about gentlemen's agreements on a broadcast, right? Like, I know, nope. I remember a day where like this was like taboo and like, I can tell you from my own personal experience that we have been asked to shy away from gentlemen's agreements yeah, by I, Call of Duty League per, uh, related personnel. So, yeah, now, I was shocked. Like, why the 180, you think? Is there any explanation? Have you heard anything? I think, first off, I think it's a good thing, kind of, that they're, they're recognizing it and speaking up about it. Because uh, what I don't like is all these GAs pass and they come to come to fruition. But no one really talks about why and and like why why they're in place, why they need to be there, like why the players are making these decisions. So it's kind of just like it happens behind closed doors and no one knows. And now the league's kind of like kind of shining the light on on rule changes because those GAs actually were put into effect into, into the rule set, I believe, a couple of days before the tournament. So they weren't even GAs technically anymore. But, um, yeah, it's kind of funny to see them do that 180 and, like, talk about it. But also, I think it's a good thing because you're shining light on the reasoning behind it. So it's a little bit of a of a mixed bag for me. If it were up to you, would would that communication on the broadcast continue if it were up to you? I would do it in different ways. Happen? Yeah, I would do it in a, in a different way. I would do, like... I'm a big fan of the NHL. So when the NHL, when you break a rule, when you get fined, they make like these really in-depth videos. It used to be, I think it was Jeremy Roenick used to do it, where he would talk about, okay, in this instance, you see the high high stick, and they play videos on it. They say why it's against the rules. I would like to see, like, for instance, a lot of like people who watch Warzone, like the monolithic, monolithic suppressor. And there's a reason why that's banned. Or it was GA now banned. It's because it increases the range while hiding your shots. And it would be nice to find, have a pro player talk about that to the viewers and explain why it's banned, explain why it's GA and why it's getting put into the rule set instead of kind of like, this is the list. It's kind of, I would, I would like an explanation behind it just for like future videos. So like everyone starts to understand why it's happening. How on earth did I not know you're a hockey fan? Who's your team? Rangers. Oh, Hey, let me show you something actually. I'm just going to grab something from my, so this, so I used to work at MSG networks who Uh carry the Rangers and uh, this was one of the parting gifts I got. They gave me a, I don't know if you can see this. Yeah. This is a VHS tape of the 94 Stanley Cup run. That is uh, awesome. That aired on, NH- on uh, MSG Networks. And it's Messier on the front holding yeah. the Stanley Cup. And that famous call from Sam Rosen, who's their longtime announcer. Oh, baby. And this one will last a lifetime. Anyway. That's awesome. Uh, We have a lot to talk about off camera, but let's get back to uh, Call of Duty League. That's good to know, man. We're going to have a lot of hockey talks, I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah. So let's we're going to come back to the tournament in a little bit. But let's talk about Warzone Weekend. Uh, that was a lot of fun. The first tournament was a completely different vibe than the second weekend. Uh, the first weekend was, all right, we're Paris Legion. We're just going to find a house and the uh, sh- uh, um, shrinking circles are going to be in our favor. And we're just going to camp this house and we're going to make some dinner and we're going to watch some Netflix. And we're going to wait for uh, opponents to come to us. Right, Austin? And then all of a sudden, this one, we get like these insane highlights. Yeah, a lot of action this time around. It's like... It's, uh, it's, it was definitely different because, first off, they, I love how they kind of took the, the format of the NBA All-Star game where they, they had, like, the drafts and decided, like, you know, let's let's draft teams. That's an awesome idea. And then they tried to push the players to, you know, have more high-action plays instead of just, you know, doing the recons and chilling. 
so that that helps out a lot. And I, I think uh, the players themselves didn't want to like disappoint. So then uh, you start seeing more and more like high high stakes plays, more risk, more reward. So I like this weekend was really fun to watch. I can't wait. I think it's going to keep getting better and better and better as the weeks go on. Um, definitely, this was this was my favorite one so far out of the two. Yeah, so the format changes we all know is that there were team captains and they picked their own teams of four in the available pool of talent. And Team Ricky that ended up winning was Ricky, Shocks, Slacked, and Lacefield. Uh, and you're seeing some highlights here of the weekend as it's going along. Uh, we're going to show you, if you haven't seen it in just a second, uh, the uh, lace field just has probably like one of the coolest plays I've ever seen. So th- not not this one. We're gonna we'll play it in a second, uh, Jarrett, our producer behind the scenes here. But the other lace field uh, highlight, it's so uh, many. Easy Mac is like one of the most ingenious things I've seen. Did, can you just describe it for us? So he saw a helicopter behind the bunker. He he went up and decided instead of using it, I'm gonna use it as a trap. Threw up a C4 on the tail, and then as soon as Clayster came looking for mode of transportation, hops in the helicopter, and uh, Lacefield was sitting up in the trees <laughs> watching him go right, right into it. And as soon as he took off, <laughs> Lacefield triggered it. <laughs> it was my favorite thing just to see Clay sitting there, like, speechless, didn't know what happened. <laughs> like, one of the just ghosts of blindsided. Call of Duty, right? Like, one of the best to ever do it is just like, what the hell just happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> Like, but the, the best part was he didn't see the the C four. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know well how hidden but... on the helicopter. Yeah, I didn't know if it was well hidden on the helicopter, or he just didn't notice it when he got in, or maybe he didn't think that that would ever be a play. I don't know. I, I just didn't even think he was looking for it, and just <laughs> took off, and probably thought he got RPG at first, and then was like, what happened? Yeah, that was amazing. So Lacefield, that was one of uh, Lacefield's best plays as part of the weekend. However, uh, another incredible play that he had involved an entire team wipe. Here it is. It's the reason why he's one of your Game Fuel featured players. Again, for Ricky, this is tried and tested. You know you need information on these players. And wow, look at his position from Lacefield. C4 from this high up. Nice throw. We like that. But Whoa! What was that throw? Look at this kill cam! Dude, and Octane's face says it's the best. He just threw a C4 from the chopper. I've literally not seen that in Warzone yet. What a throw that was. He took out an entire team. Lace. Like, I don't even think that qualifies as a Kobe. It was more of a lob, right? It was just like a layup in a way. Like, he just happened to drop it. (laughs) It was amazing. It was perfect. (laughs) The Tom Brady throw right there. Wasn't it really? It was just like a laser beam. Amazing. Perfect. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to look forward to other Warzone weekends. Hopefully they uh, experiment a little bit. This is their avenue to get creative. I'm, they meaning Call of Duty League, right? I mean, this is doing well. The players, it seems like the players are enjoying it. Are the phase players enjoying this? Yeah, they enjoy it. They like it because um, they play a lot of Warzone in their free time anyways. So just trying to, like, they don't they don't take it too, like, seriously. Like, they're not angry when they don't win. They, they're trying to make more big plays and they're trying to do something cool. But, uh, yeah, they, they actually like doing it. I think it's really fun. I, I love it. I love watching these. It's, yeah. it's also, I really appreciate how they do it beforehand, too, so they're able to edit it really nicely and put in the team comms, put in all the kill cams, being able to put all the gulags in. Like, I think the production value is outstanding for these. You know what? Speaking of gulags, the, the first one had a Zuma versus Formal gulag. And it just got me thinking, like, you know what would be awesome was it would be like a gulag tournament. 
Yep. Like, that imagine, would be like, you know what I mean? Like, pick 16 players and just put them in a single elimination, best of five, or best of seven gulag tournament. I don't know I how they would they do that, done that, but... I think they should do it in, in gunfight. Just have gunfight, best of one rounds. Yeah. And then, and then you yeah. can do either solos or duos and just have a little bracket style tourney. I think it would be sick. Yeah, we should, we should pitch that. Or we should do it and then sell it to ah, Call of Duty. That's what there you do. go. Yeah. There we go. Easy Macinarda Enterprises. <laughs> AO, AO, AO since our initials are the same, right? We should just call it AO Incorporated. Perfect. I like I it. Love, there we go. <laughs> I love how we got business ideas. We got ideas, <laughs> people, all right? Uh, okay, let's talk about the uh, Call of Duty League weekend. The Florida Mutineers, we mentioned it. Obviously, everybody knows that they won the Minnesota Rocker Home Series. Uh, very impressive fashion. Some might argue Easy Mac. Uh, and, and first of all, I want to thank you for also doing analysis as you do, giving us public statistics like you do, but just doing analysis on this show for everyone in the league as I ask you questions of uh, teams outside of the Atlanta phase here, including the Florida Mutineers who happened to defeat the Atlanta phase in finals. But they also defeated the Chicago Huntsman and Dallas Empire along the way, which got me thinking this has to be considered if not the greatest one of them, but probably the greatest tournament performance, a single tournament performance this season, simply because of them being able to vanquish the top three teams. And also, many people didn't really put them in this position going into the week. I don't think many people... I think at one point in the broadcast, they said that more people predicted Toronto to win the weekend than Florida. They were at like 0.07% of the people picked them to win. I thought that was crazy. Because actually, they're, they're a really good team. Um, I would have never picked them to beat all three of the, the top teams. And even, I think that they faced Toronto around one, right? And even, even though Toronto is like 12th in the standings, they're actually a phenomenal, like, respawn team. So I, like, all four of the people that they beat were really good teams. And I was really shocked to see them, like, catch, catch so much steam at the beginning and just have it last, like, throughout the tournament. They were, they, they, they put up some really, really good respawn performances that were really impressive. And I think uh, their stock's definitely going to be through the roof after this tournament. Yeah, no kidding. It was the Gorillas they faced on Saturday. Oh, Gorillas, yeah. 3-1. But it was a very tight series. I, I mean, the, the, it was it was 3-2 for a lot of these series for them, for Chicago and Dallas in particular. Uh, but still, they were able to clutch out. And, and, and a lot of people might not have expected that. And they would have expected it from teams like Dallas and Chicago and Atlanta as well that have proven this before. So, I don't know. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about where does Florida fit now? In the conversation, if Atlanta and Dallas are still battling for one and two, and I still give the edge to Atlanta just based on past performance, and not just because you're you're sitting here with me, that third spot though, I mean, I think it's theirs. It's got to be Florida at this point. They've won two yeah. championships. I mean, it almost it, it's kind of weird. It's like it feels bizarre to say it because of who plays for the Huntsman and what they've already done. But Florida yeah. has had more final showings, and Florida has had more recent success. So they're know. also they're three and zero versus Chicago too. So yeah. a lot of people have them at like one or two. I don't have them that high yet, just because um, well one one performance, even though it's an amazing performance, like it. I guess it makes up for my disappointment from my zero six performance at their home series. It makes me like like they're top tier. They're at that S tier with everyone else now. I think they're very good. I think if they come out in Paris and do the same thing, or even like grand finals and very like uh, impressive performances, I think they'll be one or two. But like right now, I think third is perfect for them. I still think Dallas is too. Like I think Austin Dallas are interchangeable at one and two. And then, um, you know, based off scrims, like if you're going off scrims in my mind, I think they're like 
battling for like the two seed. I think uh, I think New York's probably four for me. But just off tournaments, I think I think it's Chicago's a four, and then uh, I think London or New York's gonna be like five for me. But yeah, definitely really impressive. Have you seen enough from Florida to consider them a contender to be in the World Championship discussion? Like, do you think this is sustainable for them for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think um, it's a little bit weird because it's the honeymoon phase, and it's kind of hard to tell even at Paris because it's only one week. It's back to back, so. The honeymoon phase should still be there, and they should still be kicking like high gear right now. But um, I, I definitely want to see them like at the tail end of the season, see if they still have all the steam. I think uh, like, obviously they're going to be. I think they're going. They're a lock for at least a top four seed. I think they're going to be really impressive going into the tail end of the season. And you know, anything can happen at the end of the day. I think like they could definitely shock somebody. Um, I, I think they have some of the most skilled players on their team. Uh, they have a really underrated team. Uh, Skies, Pharaoh, uh, even Frosty are, are really underrated. And I think they're they're really good players. So if they're all on fire, they could beat anyone any day of the week. So, uh, yeah, definitely in the discussion for me. So one other thing that's very interesting is the debut of Awakening, who mm-hmm. has this incredible tournament performance. And a lot of people were talking about him now in the discussion of the greatest uh, debut tournament performance ever. And obviously Simp is somebody who gets brought up a lot. So I'm actually curious, did Simp say anything about that? Like, because people always point to him as having that amazing performance when he debuted, right? Like, did mm-hmm. he say anything about Awakening afterwards? So what I like about Chris is like, he's like, he likes upcoming talent. Like he was one of the people who defended Mac, like when everyone was giving him, you know, a little bit. And, uh, he, right after the tournament, Chris actually tweeted at Awakening and said, "You you fried this weekend, like fry man." And it was just really funny. So actually, he he just likes when people perform well. Um, he's he's a big fan of young talent coming up, and uh, I would I would put Awakening Awakening's up there in one of the like top three, you know, introductions into the into the league like that. Uh, I think that was a crazy performance by him just to beat the top three, and then also put up big numbers, which is just it's just insane. So what did you notice, whether it's Awakening or just the Mutineers in general? What did the numbers tell you? So right off the bat, I mean, Skies. Skies was absolutely insane this past weekend. Uh, just looking at the numbers, he had a 1.32, which led the entire league um, at the tournament. And uh, he was just, he was absolutely insane. Uh, what really impressed me was his domination. Even though they only play that once once a series, he had a 1.81 domination KD Ooh. over four maps. So, yeah, that, that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh my that is God. just something insane. So he he was disgusting this week, and it, a lot of people don't give him credit. All the way back from uh, LG last year, I think UIU, um, he was he's been disgusting, and he's finally having his, his come up. So I'm happy for him. Well, good for the Florida Mutineers. Uh, they are the Minnesota Rocker Home Series champions, and they will be in action in Paris, and so will the Atlanta Faze. So Atlanta Faze losing the finals. Make another finals appearance, though. So to me, keeping that top two, probably Mm -hmm. top one uh, in the league. But I find it interesting that uh, Priesta would tweet and say the team played terrible. So what is your assessment from the overall weekend? What were your big takeaways from your team? Um, I don't know if this is going to sound good, but, you know, second is the first loser. Uh, no one wants to finish second on our team. Everyone expects greatness. They expect, uh, you know, if you, if you lose, if you lose when, you, when you're when you putting in full effort, uh, you know, it is what it is. Better team won. And, you know, 
even though we, we put in 110%, you know, usually every day, we're one of the teams that scrim every day. We watch FOD every day. We do everything every day. We scrim a lot of S&D. We do, we do everything. And then all the guys work hard. And, uh, you know, we came in second. You know, Florida was the better team. You know, it sucks, but, uh, you know, that this isn't, you know, we just aren't in good form. Like we aren't, we aren't as good as uh, in good form as we were at the beginning of the season. And, you know, um, I just, I just hope, uh, after this tournament, we're able to, you know, really catch fire again into the, the later half of the, the, the last two months of the season. Cause that's when it really matters. You know, it doesn't really matter for struggling right now. I'd actually rather have our struggles now than in, in August. So. You know, I'll take it. It's something to learn from. You know, there's a lot of game film on, on stuff that we can fix and stuff we can learn from. So, you know, it's a work in progress. That's just what it is at the end of the day. You got to take take your L's when you have them. And what do you, this just happens to be our third of the season, so I'll take it. What do you credit it to? Is it a motivation thing? Is it a we don't like playing online thing? Is it are the numbers regressing? Like what 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 would you credit this, if you can even call it that, like this slip in play for the face? So, uh you know how the season usually goes is there's a lot of peaks and valleys, um, like league wide. So there's like, you know, everyone will be fighting for a peak at the beginning of the season. Austin Dallas were at the top of the peak and then everyone caught up. And now the, the challenge is that the second half of the season to reach that next peak, they reach to go even higher. And, uh, you know, everyone caught up and learned from the play styles that Austin Dallas had. And, uh, we, you know, um, it's not that we haven't put in full effort or lack of motivation. It's just, finding ways to continue to get better and find ways to continue countering our own play style that we see in other teams. So that's, that's really the next level. And that's, that's what, uh, you know, the end of June, July and August is going to be all about is learning how we can counter other teams now. Just to address this very, very quickly, because I was just confused by it. There's no coaching change with the phase, right? No, no, it's, it's still Crowder. He's, he's that coach, you know, him and RJ, uh, you know, they're, they're a tag team duo. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll, They'll uh, change voices. So, like, one day Chris will be the major voice. You know, usually Chris, is, Chris and RJ, you know, they're both there for VOD. But, you know, some days you'll have RJ really being that voice, and other days you'll have Chris. But Chris is still the head coach. RJ's still, like, uh, I call him head coach V2. So we pretty much have two head coaches on the team. But, um, yeah, no, no, nothing's changing. I will say that uh, when we had Crowder on Coach's Corner, which is the – uh, coach, uh, the show that we usually do on Mondays where we just bring in a coach from anywhere in esports. Uh, a lot of the episodes have been Call of Duty League coaches. So when we brought in Crowder after we were done when the cameras, uh, or when the stream went off the air, he insisted, he actually like suggested, can you please bring RJ on as, as a guest in the future? Uh, which we were very happy, which we will be very happy to do. But I found it like endearing in a way that he would go so far as to ask this because he cares so much about his coaching staff. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, so RJ, uh, he's not really vocal. Like, he doesn't stream. He's not really vocal on uh, on Twitter. So a lot of people don't know actually how smart and how good of a coach he is. You know, No one really knows his coaching style um, besides players, past players. I mean, they'll tell you he, he's very active in scrims. He, you know, he, he's very, like, good at teaching players. He's really good at talking to them so they understand their mistakes and where, where to fix stuff. Um, he's very smart Call of Duty-wise. You know, that's you can just say that just by Chris hiring him in World War II to be his personal coach. Um, RJ was actually one of the oldest, like, um, he has one of the longest tenures. He was, uh, he's been coaching since 2018 for FaZe and, uh, his personal coach for Chris. So back then it was only TP, him, and, and Vandy. Uh, Vandy was a AM coach at the time for Allegiance and then TP obviously was off it. So, so he, he's got a lot of experience. He's very smart. Um, he knows what he's doing. Um, so that's why he works so well with Chris because they have very, 
very close coaching styles. They both learn from each other. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a privilege to be able to, to be able to work with both of them and just be able to sit in every day and listen to what they're talking, what, what they say and how they say it and what they see in the game. It's, it's really cool. Well, I can guarantee that RJ will be a future guest on Coach's Corner. We'll just leave it at that. We'll, 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 uh, we'll reach out to him at some point in the future. So we talked about the teams that made the finals in the Minnesota home series. What about, uh, one team that did not, the Chicago Huntsman? Very much a surprise to many people, especially given the group they were in. Uh, this was a shocker, I will admit. But when you look back on it, you gotta wonder if, I wonder if this is a blip on the radar for them. And this is just a, this will become a motivator because they, they have had success since the Prestini move. But I also wonder if this is like a sign of things to come because we've seen sort of this pattern before. I, I feel like there's a lot of flux here, a lot of uncertainty with this team. And I, I, I want to know your thoughts. It's hard to pinpoint. Like, obviously, their major issue is S&D. And everyone says S&D wins championships. And that's because it's actually... I think it's easier to be a good S&D team and continue to win S&D maps. Like, if you're a good hardpoint team, it's easy for a team to upset you in hardpoint, in my opinion. You can be the best hardpoint team in the world and somebody, a respawn team in the world, and people can take maps off you. Like, what, what kept us afloat, kept uh, Atlanta float all tournament was winning S&Ds, um, and Chicago just wasn't doing that. Uh, they really struggled. Um, Scump, uh, really, there's only two players that, that did good, and that was Envoy and Formal. Scump, uh, Prestini, and uh, um, the third one, uh, form, I think it was Formal, or RCD, struggled uh, throughout the weekend. Um, it was pretty crazy, crazy to see because I thought they were actually a really good S&D team last tournament, and then they came in and you know, Prestini had a point, uh, six three, Scump had a point seven five, RC's had a point six seven, and, um, they really like struggled. These are uncharacteristic course. numbers for them. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I want to say this is just a blip, but it's also, you know, there's a lot of red flags when you, you're not, there's no positives at all in S&D. You know, just RCD's and, uh, Prestini, they were six and 20 in, in opening duels. So that's, that's terrible. Um, their, their strategies didn't look good. But Brightside is they're a phenomenal hardpoint team, so I just want to. I guess they just need to make adjustments, and they need to, you know, do the same thing we're doing, but just in S and D, and just focus on S and D. Um, find ways to make your team work, and uh, I think they'll figure it out. They have a lot of talent, so. Okay, well, let's ask that same question: Will they figure it out? To the Minnesota Rocker, uh, they failed to win a match in their own home series. They have 30 points across the last three events that they have played in. Now, to be fair, uh, there was a thumb injury disclosed for Alex mid-tournament, uh, and I reached out to Coach Saint and I asked him what what is happening, and he said that just performance was uh, taking an uncharacteristically sharp dip, and it was revealed that it was due to the injury, so they had to make the substitution. They they weren't aware of it necessarily going into the weekend, or the injury wasn't disclosed, so they made the substitution yeah. when they when they found out about it. So that's completely understandable. Still though, this has to be concerning for the Rocker because remember Easy Mac like we were talking about this team as the definitive fourth team after the top 3 yep. and now that's very much in doubt. So I, I think um online's really hurting them. I think I think it's absolutely destroying this team. Um silly got a Rex. Uh, you know, Alex dropped the point five this event, but that's completely understandable. But even before then, his numbers were dipping. Um, everyone was really struggling online. Um, so I think they're I think they're going to be a good team on land. But it's just like with uh, with the 
stay with the numbers, like with their points, just staying at 120, it's kind of hard to see like what seed they're going to be at for land. Cause that could really hurt them if they're, I mean, if they're going to be in uh four, if they're not going to be a top four team, then they're going to be at a disadvantage compared to the teams where they were at, at the beginning of the year at the same level as, because I think they're a phenomenal team. I, I just think right now they, they should be in survival mode. Uh, I think their goal should just be taking, you know, 20 points per tournament at the end of this and just making it two champs as, as a, as a high seed, because I, they still can, they still got 120 points. They're still 30 points behind Florida, but they're definitely, I think they're in trouble right now. I, I especially with Alex's injury. I, I, it's tough because they do have a little bit of break now. I, I hope Alex is back in time for the next tournament, but if he's not, this team's definitely in, in a bit of trouble. So both those teams, Chicago and Minnesota, have the next tournament off, which is this mm-hmm. weekend, the Paris Legion. Note the start times. Uh, they are shifted to accommodate the European audience, which means that they will start earlier in Eastern time and Pacific time. I believe 1 p.m. Eastern time will be the start of the matches on Friday. So keep note of that. Go to and Call Sunday. of Duty League. Uh, and Sunday as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so callofdutyleague.com. There will be the full schedule. I'm going to give you rapid fire questions. Okay. In, 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 in place of our Paris Legion home series preview. So group A is Legion, Mutineers, Royal Ravens, and Dallas Empire. Group B mm-hmm. is Atlanta Phase, Toronto Ultra, Subliners, and Optic Gaming Los Angeles. Question mm-hmm. number one. Does the short turnaround benefit the Florida Mutineers? Yes, definitely. They can carry this form in. They're going to be on fire going into the next tournament. Uh, I think they're going to be I think they're, in my mind, I think they're going to make out of this, this group pretty easy. Speaking of getting out of these groups easy, do you believe that the Empire and FaZe are locks to get out of their groups and make the semis? I'm going to say our team is just because I like our matchups actually. Uh, Dallas, on the other hand, um, I think they're, don't get me wrong, uh, like base off scrims, I still think they're, you know, A or uh, number one B, but, uh, they got a tough matchup round one. You know, London is is hitting fire right now. And then if if they do make it past that, then they're probably going to have Florida. So those are very tough matchups. Um, I think they're. I I don't know. I I can't, I can't say they're a lock. I can say I can confidently say we're we're going to be a lock. I think we're you know this this week's going to help us. You know, just shift around a, a couple little things, and I think we're going to be looking good coming back in. There are some teams here that have had impressive showings in previous tournaments, right? Royal Ravens, mm-hmm. Optic Gaming, Los Angeles, both previous finalists. And we've put New York and Toronto in that emerging conversation. They've had impressive mm-hmm. showings compared to where they were. Do you think that this is a tournament where a team can really level up? Maybe we see a new team in the finals, or maybe we even mm-hmm. see someone battling for a championship and really having a good go at it. Definitely. Uh, so just looking at our group, uh, New York and OGLA stocks on the rise. They could definitely make their one of them is definitely gonna make it out. My money's on New York right now. Um, they, you know, I think this is actually just as loaded as the last tournament, maybe even more. I think New York's a phenomenal team, top four team based off of like our scrims. I think they're a phenomenal respawn team. It's just about how can they perform in S and D. It's kind of like the same thing with the Huntsman, where they're phenomenal in respawns, but it's like S and D holds them back. So I like I said last tournament I expected when the last tournament New York was in I expected them to win they didn't I, I was really disappointed because that, I thought that was their tournament now they, like this is where they have to show up and have to show that you know they're a threat I think like they're the team that I'm looking at the most uh, besides you know Florida us in, in Dallas I think uh, 
uh, London's in there too. London's crazy good lately. They really found that honeymoon phase. They, they found the, you know, before what they, what I thought they had wrong was pacing issues. Uh, zero came in, fixed all of that. I think they're a phenomenal team too. So one of those two teams, I, I would put my money that they're going to be in the finals and I think they're going to be looking really good and they're going to shock a lot of people. I, uh, I always joke on this show that whenever you put your, rankings for the season or tournament and it's the slaying rankings i always mm-hmm. know who's going to be number one it's like it's oh it's like a, it's, he's always the same person always uh Wiskin is like just like occupying that spot at all times yep he's just incredible i don't know what it is but he's just like incredible in that statistic this game is just meant for him like last year he kind of struggled because the icr was kind of it wasn't a slaying heavy role you know that, that was the maddox but then this year it's just it's his gun. It's his play style. It just suits him. It suits him really good. I don't want. I don't think it's fair to ask you for predictions. But what I do want to ask you is, when you look at this, this will be my last question before we wrap mm-hmm. here. When you look at the other teams, even statistically off the top of your head or or uh, whatever, which team do you think plays the Atlanta phase really well? So I, I want to say Florida, just because they beat us and they they really whooped us in uh in hard points. And then, you know, Dallas is always going to be our rival. They're always going to be there, like, battling against us. But um, for this tournament, just because I, I have a really good feeling we're going to be playing them in the second round if we make it past Toronto, it's going to be New York. I think um, Lamar is a really smart in-game leader. They're really good at uh, hard point. They've, they've taught us a lot. That's why I give them such high praise, just because how good they actually play in practice. Because I know I know the skills there. I know the strategies there. It's just making it – it's just showing it in tournaments. Which should be easy online. I don't. I don't understand how it hasn't happened yet. But um, you know, Tommy Zuma. This is the best I've seen him play in a while. I think Mac is disgusting. I think they, you know, their SMGs match our SMGs and their play style, like their like smartness in game, is on the same level as us. It's just they match up super well, and uh, that would probably be our toughest matchup that I know will happen. So that's what I would have to give it to. All right, we're going to end on our dream team. This is something we normally do from the past weekends. Every time a weekend wraps, a home series wraps, uh, we pick five players uh, by position. So it's not going to be like five ARs or five uh, flex mm-hmm. players. We pick them uh, uh, by position. So we're going to reveal to you now our dream team in order. So number one, we have Skies from the Florida Mutineers. Had a great, and those stats are provided by who else, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I, you can guess who the, who provides these stats. Uh, but yeah, Skies is our first player. Are we he, just going to go he, through them one by one? He deserved it. You know, the only, the other AR I put up there is formal. He had a great event, but Skies was just next level showing everyone why he's a star player and just his respawn. He was just out of this world. Yeah. 1.26 KD on hard point. 1.81 on that was the one matchup you were mentioning, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, unbelievable. 1.8. Like, when have we ever seen a number like that? It's amazing. Good for well, him. It's not even like his engage his engagements were really that weren't that high. It was just his in game IQ of just you know finding where he has to be to block spawns to make that play to stop you know that one rotator. So he didn't have a lot of engagements, but he won all the fights he needed to win. All right, here's uh, player number two, and it's going to be from the Dallas Empire. Also impressive, Katie stats on hard point. It's Shotzi. Yeah, he is. He's the next thing. I think he's a he's a, he's a real deal. You know, a lot of people don't give him enough credit that he deserves because it's online play, but you can just see it the way he plays, the confidence he has. Uh, as soon as this goes back to land, he's going to be that same player. He's learned so much throughout the year. It's actually crazy to see how his game's developed. He, he was phenomenal in hard point this past tournament. 
Our third player, uh, also a uh, young player on the Dallas Empire, it's Hook. Yep, and uh, this is the guy that usually gets overlooked because of how good Shotzi and you know even Clay has been. Uh, Hook's usually like that guy that's in the background. You look at him, and you're like, holy cow! He had he dropped a two point oh that map. I didn't even I didn't even know. And uh, he was you know domination hard point again. Dallas, you know, relied on their SMGs this past event, and he was another great slayer for that team. From the Atlanta phase, representing the phase this weekend, it is, I feel, Celium, man, I, I feel like, like, Celium is such a great player, and I feel like he's surrounded by greatness, and so, if he was on any other team, we'd be, like, pumping his tires so much more. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, it's because he has so many talented players around him that, you know, in hardpoint, he's taking more of an aggressive role, he's taking more of that, you know, uh, high flying role, so you're not going to see the the crazy 1.3s and hard point unless he's on like a one of the slower maps, like Azir Cave is his playground. I think he's absolutely crazy. But uh, S and D is just he's 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 elite. He's top of these. You know, one of the if you had to make a team around S and D, he would be my first pick. He's the he's the true ice man this season. Yeah, ice in his veins, and he, no, the expression doesn't change. Remember mm-hmm. we were talking. No. <laughs> it was uh, remember we were talking. I think the last time you were on, we were talking about how. Uh, he always has the same picture. <laughs> like we could just put up the picture, and no one would be the wiser. They'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, Sully." My, my favorite thing is he didn't even recognize he left his door open to his balcony, and his apartment flooded during the finals. Oh, no. So he's sitting there, he's sitting there like this, still not even recognizing what's going around. He's he's basically in a in a swing pool at the end of the end of the. Oh, no way! Like it was during the final. Uh huh. He sent oh, us a picture after him just flooded. Come on! How do you not notice that? His he's feet getting wet from game. the water on the yeah. He's just like zoned in. Goes into his living room. It's just all wet. <laughs> he's worried about hard point. His living room is like getting soaked. Ah, <laughs> uh, Celium, we love you, bud. That's hilarious. All right, last person uh, is awakening. I think this is no surprise, especially with the weekend that he had. His opening. I mean, what a way to start your career, right? Mm-hmm. He was. I mean, he's been known to be a good good respawn player, and he came in and showed it. You know, Florida did a good job of setting him up to be that player too. Like they didn't put him in one of the, you know, the role player roles. You know, they they let him be that second man in, so you know he can get the trades and he can build up confidence. And by the end of the weekend, you could see he was taking a lot more, you know, riskier gunfights that you know he was confident he could win. He was he was doing a great job of doing that, especially that. All right, let's end on this uh, easy, Mac. Uh, just looking back on the season, I know that's been like a crazy Call of Duty League season, but. Uh, How's it been for you, man? Like, I just want to hear about, like, for all that you provide to the community, like, it can't be stressed enough. Uh, how has it been for you? Like, just like dealing with all of the everything on land and transitioning to online, even from a statistical perspective, like, what have the, how have the numbers been and how have they changed? Like, who's been an online star versus a land star? Like, what are, what are the numbers telling you? So that's actually my next project is I want to see, like, land versus online correlation and see, like, how it all looks. But uh, definitely, uh, I go back to Shotzi, and it's just like, at that first event, that launch weekend, you know, everyone had such high expectations, and he came out, and he, he was still learning. You could see that. You could see that, you know, he was still green. He still was, you know, under the under the guidance of the of the, of the two ARs, you know, Krim and Clay. And now you look at him, and, you know, he is, you know, he is the player. When you've played Dallas, you're looking at Shotzi and who, and you're, you, you're, you're focusing on him. You're, you're finding ways to counter him because he is so good on the map right now. It is just ridiculous. And he does it, you know, every day. Every day he gets on and it's just, he's, he's playing phenomenal. So it's just, 
I'm like in awe of his growth throughout the season. It's just been insane. Are there any, like, do you have any people in mind that you might hypothesize have been better online than on LAN? Or, like, are there any patterns that you're noticing? Uh, you know, there, there's no one that really stands out. You know, everyone's in the meme that, you know, Dallas has been better. But, you know, they, sure. they were just as good in their, their the last two LANs that they attended. So it, it's really tough to pick out one player above the other. You know, I know there's a bunch of players that are better on LAN than they are online. Mm. Um, but, you know... I Oddly enough, I think Slasher's looked a lot better online, even though he's had a bunch of internet issues. But he's looked a lot better statistically. You know, maybe that's just because the teams are finding uh, their their right roles and the team's finally starting to gel. But I think even with all the online issues he's had, he's been looking phenomenal. You know, he was in the MVP race for his tournament, the the past one, even though Optic you know went out in the in the grand finals. But he was he's been looking really good. It looked really scary. It's that time of the year for him. Well, I look forward to that project. It's going to be very interesting to see what comes out of it when you crunch the numbers there. So that'll do it for us here on Search and Destroy. Don't forget this weekend, Paris Legion Home Series. Don't forget the time changes, 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Go to callofdutyleague.com. Check those uh, times in your local time because they will be different than what you are normally accustomed to. Easy Mac, you're the man, man. Like I appreciate you doing this, being with us for the whole show. Please come back sometime. Definitely. Thank you for having me again. I love it. Love being on. And thank you all for watching. We'll see you next week.